Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. Catch Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for the best sports coverage right here in the Magnolia State. Every day from 3 until 6, right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi. Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. And of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us too. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Head on over to supertalktv.com and meet one of my favorites, Ruth Ann Rigby. She's the co-founder of First Responders of Mississippi, but I call her a recovery activist. I think that's a good title for you, Ruth Ann. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I was like, like you know, that. I don't know her exact title, but recovery activist, I think, really encompasses all the things that you do and your life's mission and the good work. And part of that is helping to promote the fact that we're having the 15th annual Mississippi Addiction Conference coming up soon in February. And good stuff is going on there, too. So welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor I would to be say here. how you're doing, but you've been busy. Oh, it's we're always busy. But that's because there's a lot of good work to be done and there's a lot of good work being done in the area of addiction and recovery. So let's talk about this conference. It's a big deal from what I hear. This is our 15th year hosting this conference. And it's going to be next week at the Sheraton out in Flowood at that beautiful new hotel. And we have already 300 people registered to attend. And that's professionals. That's um, physicians, lawyers, um, nurses, uh, really a great group of healthcare providers. But we also want the public to know that they can come to. I was going to say, who is this conference um, sort of for or sort of geared towards? It's through the Professionals Health Network, which um, is out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Donna Young is the executive director, and Dr. Gary Carr runs that organization. And we started this conference about 15 years ago to bring awareness to the community and through our state, but really to help um, healthcare providers and people that are interested in learning more and about addiction and recovery to be able to get the education that they need to be able to help those that are suffering. I feel like it's a good thing there's over 300 already registered. That means 300 people are sort of interested in learning more. What do you in think person? In person. Who spe- what is sparking this curiosity? Is it the fact that we're finally raising awareness enough to recognize, okay, this isn't just swept under the table. This is a truly, uh, you know, something going on in all of our communities and households and neighborhoods. Or is it more of, okay, now I'm open to alternative ways of sort of uh, dealing with the issue because issue needs to be dealt with and recovery is possible. So, you know, I th- we have a great speaker lineup and I just want to highlight a couple of those people. Um, Robert Weiss is coming. He's going to speak about growing past the myth of codependency, a strength based model for those 
who love an addict. And then he's also going to speak on Wednesday afternoon um, because he's an expert in sex addiction and gaming and porn. He's going to speak be speaking about understanding why and how to access and treat co-occurring disorders, sex and drugs, because that's also an issue going on right now. And so we're glad to have him back in the great state of Mississippi. And then one of the other things that I love is that um, Kennison Roy is coming in. He's going to be speaking about the neural neurobiology of spirituality oh that's interesting that's fascinating it's almost like you just the everyday person who's just curious about all of it would have something to come and enjoy as well i mean is i mean so it's open to whoever wants to register and right i mean obviously it's clinically driven for people to come and get their clinical hours but also i was talking to donna young yesterday because i knew where i was coming here and and if you want to come and join us you can call the office and we can give you a price based on what your need is because a lot of people want to come and they don't need clinical hours so therefore they don't have to pay for those additional disciplines. Where can we go to find if our clinical practice is has hours to be to be gotten? Oh, to get gotten? I got, whatever. Get, we'll go get it. We'll go get it. Hey, we'll go get it at the website. Um, they can go to professionalshealthnetwork.com and um, and we can do social workers. We can do um, LPCs, MAP, DMH, chiropractors, physician, clergy veterinarians, law enforcement. These are all people that can come and get hours, as well as dentists and psychologists and pharmacists and physicians. And dietitians. And di- well, probably dietitians. Probably. We'll make we, an exception. We can make, an, we'll say, make we, an exception. We can definitely learn how to word it, uh, because I feel like anybody in healthcare who's treating someone that's wanting to change something, whether it's their behavior or their overall health, need, working with those that want that, need to understand the signs, the symptoms, and then, you know, what other struggles that people may be going. And again, with the, you know, I guess there's active addiction. But then a lot of times those behaviors can come in all different shapes, sizes, and intensities, and they can impact how someone um, responds to whatever treatment you're trying to give them for other ailments. Right. I think right. in sort of that way. And I think if, if somebody just wants to come and hear a couple of speakers, you know, that's fine, too. But they can just contact us, and, and we'll be happy to help them. Ruthann, how long have you been a recovery activist? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm happy to say I will pick up a 26-year chip on March 1. That means I've been clean and sober for 26 years uh, doing the happy road to destiny, so to speak. So when you see a lineup like this and a 15th annual conference like this, how excited and optimistic does it make you for at least the conversation changing and going in the right direction around addiction? That the conversation is always changing. It's never a dull moment when you're working in the field of behavioral health and addiction. Um, And we have some great speakers that I can't wait to go hear because I'm always learning and I'm always interested in learning new ways to help other people. Which I think it's going to take a village. It's going to take all of us and continuing just being open and sort of listening to it and not sweeping it under the rug. Yes. And then knowing that there is support and help. And one of the many things that you do, like you're rushing out of here and you're headed up to Delta State in just a little while, you are going to speak, I think at 6 p.m. or be part of the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics and it's in partnership with the Cleveland Police De- uh, yes. Department, yeah. the school district, yes. um, other academies, and then the Public Health Institute. So all of these are coming for an impact event yes what's the what's the goal for this tonight the goal is to educate and bring awareness to the community because they've had a lot of up in the delta so to speak they've had a lot of um overdose 
overdoses that have been happening up there, but there are also a lot of people that have gotten into recovery up there. And so we want to be able to answer any questions that the public has, if they want to be able to access care, if they have a family member that's struggling, you know, we can help get them taken care of right then. You do a lot of these sort of community forums, uh, Ruth Ann, and I know like there's other um, End It Now and other great organizations that are out there, boots on the ground, listening to uh, our communities here in Mississippi. What are some of the most concerns or questions they get? Is it where to get help or is recovery possible or how to like what are some it's of those? really one of the the greatest challenges how to access care and really the mississippi department of mental health has done a great job winnie bailey and her team there has really done a great job being able to help community mental health centers be able to help as many people as they can but the challenge is really how do you access care because people don't know how to do that so my encouragement is to you know Ask a family member, ask your preacher, ask your teacher, ask a counselor. There's so many people that are waiting to help you. You just have to ask. And don't be afraid to ask for help. What about for the family members that may, I know one of the uh, great speakers you mentioned for the conference was uh, loving loving someone who is in active addiction. Those are my words. I don't think that's the exact title, but it's basically saying, hey, I am the, you know, I'm the spouse, I'm the parent, I'm the sibling, I'm the good friend, and I want to love them through it. You know, and that's obviously a hard task. What resources or how does that person find what they need to, you know, be that best supporter that they can you know there's some great resources out there uh, deborah jay and jeff jay have a great website and a company called love first they've got a lot of podcasts that are loaded there that can help families navigate that journey or they can reach out to me or someone else they can certainly reach out to us at the center for hope and healing at broadmoor baptist church and we can get them connected or the mississippi department of mental health there's a lot of people that are standing on the sidelines waiting to help those that are suffering And there's no reason why anybody, any resident in the state of Mississippi cannot get the help that they need for lack of funding because we have, we can tap into those resources that have been afforded to Mississippians through different grant opportunities. So the encouragement is raise your hand. Raise your hand and yell, sister. Yeah. And then, and then just keep going till you figure out the match that's best for you or for your loved ones. I know real quick, you know, the first responders is a, and law enforcement has a big place in your heart. So for those that may not know about first responders of Mississippi, I know that that's part of the pie here too. How does that fit in? Um, First Responders of Mississippi is an organization that we created about six years ago with a great board of directors and my husband and I are co-founders. And we're just there to help first responders, their families and their agencies in their greatest time of need. And what does a need look like? It may be that a first responder has a um, young child who is struggling with lung disease and um, and they need to get to a lung specialist like, for example, in Colorado. We can help fast them. We can help fast track them to that hospital yeah. and help pay for travel and things like that. There's so many things that we can do to help first responders. They just need to reach out to us and ask for help. Raise your hand and yell, sister or brother, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, but if you want more information on the 15th Annual Addiction Conference, where do we go for that? What's the website? You go to professionalshealthnetwork.com or you can call Donna Young at 601-261-9899. Till next time, Ruth Ann. Safe travels to the Delta. All right. Thank you so much. Stick with us. we got more for you up next. Super.
Super Talk Jackson. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. You can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And if you are in Oxford today, then you can stop by and see the boys. They are coming up next with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. And we can all say that no other state does college baseball better than Mississippi. And coming up today, you got Sports Talk Mississippi live at Swayze Field in Oxford as the reigning national champions prepare to defend their title. You'll hear from players and coaches as we celebrate the opening of the college baseball season right here in the Magnolia State. And don't forget, too, you still have a chance to win tickets to see country music superstar Morgan Wallen. And since we're talking about Oxford, we might as well add in. He's coming to there as well. He's coming there in April. And again, we want to give you a chance to win some really great tickets, some sweet seat tickets. And so registration boxes are located throughout the state, for example, You can register to win tickets going to Celebration Nutrition in Columbus, BK BK Quick in Macomb, or B yeah BK Wick in Macomb. I'm gonna get it right. Or you can go Be Quick. You know, I was thinking that it was probably a play on words, and I was completely getting it uh, getting it all wrong. And so there you go, Be Quick in Macomb. Or Got Gear Motorsports in Ridgeland, as well as uh, many more. So if you want <clears throat> the whole rundown, you can go to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen to find the full list of registration locations. Winners will get you two, again, two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen. And that is coming up Sunday, April the 23rd um, at Vault Hemingway Stadium. The tickets uh, giveaway is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughter Medical Center, Jump Start Test Prep, and then Toyota of Brookhaven. And we're having little technical difficulties with our guest who is coming up with us um, today. So as we're working on that, we'll just move right along. I hope you've taken time today to go over to the Good Things Facebook group because we have gotten a lot of good headlines there. It's where we all gather with like-minded individuals to post um, the best headlines that we can find in our state and about our state. We obviously have fun conversations like we had yesterday talking about the blue versus red pill if you want to go back and sort of look through that. But just posted a great story about one of Mississippi's favorite businesses, which is Shipley Donuts, if you don't know. Shame on you. And so they are reintroducing their leader there, Mr. Anthony Moore. He's got a really great story. He actually started working in the Greenville Shipley and then just as a junior high kid. And then he was looking just to make a little money. And he didn't know if it would be a lifelong relationship with Shipley Donuts. But lo and behold, he wound up now. He's an owner of one. You can head on over and read the rest of that if you would like to, along with many other good headlines coming on there. Here in central Mississippi, speaking of restaurants, we've got the Lily Pad Cafe, which is on its way of almost opening. And if you're over at supertalktv.com, you'll see we've got our guest who's joining us today, Tom Mormon. How are you, Tom? 
Good afternoon. I'm doing very well. Thank you. I hope you're having a good show so far. Technology is great until sometimes it can throw us uh, for a loop, and that's okay. But I'm excited about what you guys are up to because you guys have the Save Our Shells, which is Mississippi's oyster shell recycling program. And I'll have to say, Tom, the more people that hear about this, the more excited they get to be a part of it. We were just talking about different restaurants, although donuts is not part of the probably going to be part of the oyster. But there are many restaurants who are looking forward to be a part of it. So let's just get started. How did this come up, the Mississippi Sound Oyster Shell Recycling Program? So thank you for having me on the show today. This is a a project that was paid for by an award from the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality in in partnership with the Restore Council. So it's funded through oil spill money, essentially. And uh, it's it's got a little bit of history in the state. There have been a couple... uh, Efforts to, to get an oyster shell recycling program started along the coast. Uh, some of those have been uh, piloted by the Mississippi Commercial Fishers United, where they've been working with the Oyster Cook-Off Festival, uh, collecting shells from that. But but really, uh, it's because of the funding that's been made through uh, the, the Department of Environmental Quality and the Restore Council that's given us this opportunity to get started on a, on a shell recycling program. So... I think some of us would think, well, how do you recycle them? What are you doing with them? What once they've been, you know, eaten or, you know, consumed, then what what can they be made out of? What can they be do? How can they be repurposed? Sure. So oyster shell recycling is simply collecting shells that would otherwise be discarded and diverted and divert them from headed to a a landfill. So we're trying to take a product that would ordinarily be uh, thrown into the, the garbage and reuse that for restoration of oyster reefs. So uh, one of the things in the life cycle of an oyster is they are planktonic. They float in the water for a couple weeks. And when they're triggered, they just sink to the bottom and land on the first thing that they find is where they are for their whole life. So one of the things that oyster shells are really good for is being a substrate or a place for a new oyster to grow. So uh, putting oyster shells back into the water is a way to help make new baby oysters. Which is a good thing, right? Like that would be a really good thing. And so the other, I guess the alternative, Tom, would be that these oyster shells would find their way into landfills or dumpsters. And then it's not really, I mean, it may be biodegradable, but it's not really doing any good there ever. So this is a way of giving it an opportunity. Is there ever too many oysters yeah. to put back? Uh, never. <laughs> so we, we want to put as many oyster shells back into the water as we can. So I know y'all are looking for more restaurants to sort of jump on board, on board to sort of do this. So what's like the expectation of the restaurant? Do they put their oyster shells in a different bucket? Is it How does that work? So it, it's kind of up to them at this point to decide how they want to collect their own shells based on how they operate their kitchens and, and manage their facility. Uh, what our program will do is we'll collect those oyster shells from them uh, once they're outside of their, their kitchen or facility. Uh, we will be working with a collection contractor at some point in the future, and uh, we'll be enrolling restaurants to participate in this program. So we'll we'll collect the shells, and we'll deliver them to the uh, most likely place will be the Mississippi Department of Marine Resources where they can be incorporated into their restoration activities. 
And is there is this like a one time pickup, or will this kind of be like uh, you know how you have your regular sort of garbage pickup? Although I don't want to you know put oyster shells in the same thing as garbage, but I guess technically that's where they would have uh, ended up. Or will we kind of like you call once you get a certain number, and then they come and get it? Or is it still just how it works out for each individual restaurant? It will probably be likely based on the needs of the individual restaurants, but we'll probably be working to get a regular schedule. So we'll, we'll try to make pickup days uh, multiple times a week. Um, sanitation at a restaurant facility is very important to obviously the restaurant. And we want to be a, an excellent partner in making sure that all those considerations and concerns are addressed. I was reading where I think just based on 26 restaurants, man, it's an estimated 5 million oysters are sold annually. That's mind-boggling to me, the amount of oysters that's actually sold and enjoyed on the Gulf, Co- on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so this is the, the collection phase of this project is actually the second phase. And the, and the first part was an economic and sustainability study. So we wanted to see how much it would cost to run a program and how much material was out there in the world. And we had 26 restaurants out of 51 that sell oysters participate. And through that, we were able to extrapolate that there's about 5 million oysters shucked annually in Mississippi. And that's about a million and a half pounds of material that's that's available. Do those oysters come from our shores also, or are they coming from other places? And does that matter if they're going back into our sea, if that makes sense? It, it doesn't necessarily matter uh, right now. So a lot of the oysters we eat in Mississippi come from Texas, Louisiana. There are some oyster farms that grow them locally, and there's also still some wild-caught oysters being harvested uh, but it, it doesn't necessarily matter to me where those shells are coming from because they seem to serve the same purpose once they get back into the water. How often will you guys be spreading them back out into the ocean? I feel like it would be one big dump, or is it in smaller? Is that sort of organized as well? I, th- I think that's yet to be determined. Uh, one of the reasons we are wanting to partner with the state on this is because they already have a lot of the mechanisms in place to do that kind of distribution. And, you know, we're, this is essentially a pilot phase. We're trying to figure out the costs and of what it will be to actually run the program, but also we want to know what kind of material we're going to get. So being very streamlined and economically efficient will be key to the longevity of a, of a program in the state. Well, I think there's nothing but good that's coming out of this. Number one, you're just keeping 1.2 million pounds out of the dumpsters or the landfills and trying to putting them back to good use. I know your organization does a lot of other good things. Tom, can you hang with us? We'll chat a little more. All right. Absolutely. You guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
You can watch Good Things. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head over to supertalktv.com. We're continuing our conversation with Tom. He's the Director of Marine Programs for the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality and or the Nature Conservancy. Sorry, that's the part that you are. But this is a partnership with the Department of Environmental Equality. I always say equality, which is probably not a bad thing, but it's quality, Tom. And you're talking about Save Our Shells. Okay, so we were talking about dumping them back into the ocean, obviously, to regenerate baby oysters, which I think is great. But some people on our text line are curious about other ways of recycling them into good uses, which one said using ground oyster shells for like the diets of laying hens and others say in Louisiana they make roads from oyster shells. Or if you get like, you know, the one point something billion tons, does this program put them all back into the ocean or are there other ideas of how to utilize these shells for, for good things? Yeah, so oyster shells have been used for a wide variety of reasons, and uh, putting them with chicken feed is one of them. Uh, historically, a lot of the roads were actually paved with with oyster shells. Uh, in Biloxi, you can still see this today if you dig down a, a little bit. But the, the aim of this project is to help restore oysters in Mississippi, which have been in decline uh, for a couple decades now for uh, you know a variety of environmental and and uh, man-made uh, causes and so. so we want to put those bad boys back so babies can have a place too. It's the maternity ward. So it'd be the maternity ward for <laughs> for future for future oysters. What is the life cycle of I guess creating an oyster to, you know, being one that can be harvested for consumption? Is it you know, does it take months? Does it take years? Like what does that sort of look like? Well there there it depends a lot on, on the water, but typically, you know, you have a you start with an adult oyster and it releases larva into the water. That larva takes a, a couple weeks, it floats around, finds a new home, and then is triggered to just fall out of the water and wherever it lands, like I was saying before, is where it lives forever. And it, it goes through a couple growth stages where it gets bigger and it's in that location forever. They're filter feeders, so they process water uh, through their 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 body. They open up their shells and there's there's a the mollusk inside. Uh and it, it can take, you know, about a year and a half to two years uh, in some places to, to grow to an adult oyster. And it's going to depend on things like water temperature, salinity, uh, and, and water quality. And also where you are in the world makes a difference. So if you're, say, in the northeast or northwest, uh, those take a little bit longer to grow than, say, in the South Atlantic or, or the Gulf of Mexico. So you can understand why it's not a quick return. So it kind of takes an investment to sort of have an opportunity for us to up our production of oysters. It's not just the nine months or six months or whatever sort of cycle. You have to really sort of take care of them and give them time. You can also see why the numbers can dwindle quick. I mean, if people's you know demand for oysters goes up and it exceeds the ability for Mother Nature to you know, to, to make new ones, then that can, that math doesn't add up, right, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. There's, you're never going to quench the demand for oyster products in the food market. Uh, and aquaculture is playing a big role in helping to support that. But oysters are also a, a natural habitat. They provide a, a lot of what we call ecosystem benefits. So those are things like uh, fisheries habitat for small fin fish and invertebrates. Those attract recreational fish that people like to go after. And as I mentioned before, oysters are known as, as really good uh, filter feeders and can help uh, remove nutrients from uh, our coastal waters. So there's a lot of benefits to them. 
the economical definitely it plays a big part in in Mississippi, but also the environmental. Uh, contributions to the fish and wildlife are really important. Who knew all this about a nice little oyster that we usually enjoy? And I think season's kind of approaching. I'm not sure when this, when is the oyster eating season, at least for us here in Mississippi? Well, I, I'm not an expert in, in this regard uh, because, they, you know, there used to be a, a rule about months ending in R, but with, with aquaculture farms now that's changed a little bit. But uh, I, I think it's season. almost a year round. Well, I yeah. think they're best so. suited sitting on the beaches at the Mississippi Gulf Coast, feeling the breeze and eating them when it's a little bit warmer than 30 degrees <laughs> outside. That just really doesn't set the stage for, for oysters. It's definitely, it feels like it's a seasonal food, even if maybe it can be sort of, uh, sort of year round. Usually when you start crawfish season, you're starting to inch into your, your oyster and your, um, shrimp season sort of as well. But oysters isn't the only thing you guys do there and part of your marine programs for the Nature Conservancy time. What a cool job that you have. So other than trying to save the oysters or save our shells, what else are you guys up to? So the, the Nature Conservancy in general is a nonprofit organization with offices in all 50 states. Our mission is to conserve uh, lands and waters that are, are essentially vital to life. Uh, our Mississippi chapter has a, a focus on freshwater, forest, and, and coastal conservation. And our, our marine program is working on a couple different programs or projects. We're, we're working on oyster restoration uh, to help create a, a subtitle oyster reef in the Bay of St. Louis. And we're also looking to do some living shoreline work in the near future as well. Um, we, we've done some other works with, with turtles and stream restoration projects in the past. Um, so pretty much my, my area of interest is the lower three coastal counties and the tributary waters that pour into Mississippi Sound. You know, we talk about all the time the importance of the Mississippi Gulf Coast from an economic standpoint, obviously for the state of Mississippi, but also just from the marine standpoint, how important taking care of our waterways not only is for Mississippi, but for, you know, the ocean connects to to sort of everybody. So how important is it to focus efforts on sustainability, conservancy, sort of taking care of these creatures and critters or byways and, you know, uh, bayous that maybe we don't think about in our everyday life, but you know, they kind of factor into how we enjoy life overall. Sure. Everything that happens on land ultimately affects what happens in the water. You, you've probably heard about the dead zone out in uh, Louisiana. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is the, the Mississippi River basically drains about two thirds of, of the, the nation. So things that happen uh, in the Midwest and other parts of the country come downstream and to a, a kind of a smaller scale of that in Mississippi, our coastal streams also pour into the, the Gulf of Mexico ultimately. So it's it's uh, important to keep an eye on the health of these habitats. And one of the good things about this Save Our Shells program is it's a way to connect people to that conservation. When you're in a restaurant, you're giving somebody the opportunity to recycle a, an oyster shell. That may seem like a small thing at the time, but really you're participating in a chain of events that takes that shell back into the water and hopefully recycle some of the, the value that a commercial fisherman might have or an aquaculture person or the habitat itself. And, you know, you may see uh, oysters from that, that recycled shell in the, in the future on your, on your plate again. 
Tom, as consumers, obviously, I don't own a restaurant and I don't fish for oysters. I do enjoy eating them, though. That is something I do enjoy. Would it be fair for us just to ask, not aggressively, but just to kindly ask if we go out to a restaurant that has oysters on the Mississippi Gulf Coast and say, hey, are you guys part of the Save Our Shells program? I'd love for, you know, my contribution to be going back into, you know, the waterways and then opening that conversation. Or are you guys out there knocking on doors and sort of taking care of of that for us? So good question. So right now we haven't begun our official enrollment. We've talked to a couple of restaurants and obviously a a year ago we, we spoke to about 26 of them and we're uh, revisiting those folks now, but uh, we're hoping to get started on collection around uh, early to mid-April. So I wouldn't start asking folks just yet, uh, but we're we're kind of doing a soft launch at the seventh uh, annual uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Oyster Fest, which is going to be at Point Cadet Biloxi on March 25th, I believe. It's a Saturday, so we'll be collecting shells from from the chefs that are there for that cook-off. And then hopefully by early April, we will be uh, collecting shells uh, from restaurants. And then at that point, please encourage your restaurants to participate in it. For this for this program to work, we need as many participants as possible. We're, we've got some target goals that we're aiming for. Uh, there are 51 restaurants out there that we, we probably more like 52 or three now that we know have the oyster shells or oysters on a half shell that we're looking for. And We've gotten a real good response from those that we've talked to already. I think uh, the more we do our job of getting the word out, the more participation we're going to have. So right now it's it's kind of in our court to, to get those guys on board. But uh, in the future, I, I'll be happy if you all mention it. I'd so. love to see signage for restaurants if they wanted to put it up saying that they participate and save our shells. As Again, as a consumer, you know, when you see Mississippi farm-raised catfish or you see Mississippi Gulf Coast seafood, you know, it, it makes you proud about where you're spending your money. I'd love to know that, you know, my dozen oysters and my Bloody Mary was going back into back into doing something good. Well, Tom, I think this is just the first of probably many conversations I'd love to keep up with and see how things are going back in spring, early summer. So welcome back anytime you're ready. I thank you very much, and I appreciate the time on your show. Thank All righty. You. you guys stick with us. we got some more good things for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Don't forget, coming up next, you've got the boys with Sports Talk Mississippi. 
They're going to be live at Swayze Field in Oxford as the reigning national champions prepare to defend their title. I was listening to Sports Talk yesterday, Rhino, and I heard Richard's conversation with the coach. Forgot his name. You know, I'm not into sports. And But it was funny. He was mentioning that the boys after today, well, I guess so yesterday was the last day that they could hear congratulations. So today starts a whole new season. You are the reigning champs, but it's no longer like a congratulations for this year. So now you've got the start of a whole fresh year. Everyone's back at technically, you know, square. Well, we're back at the bottom square. Blank plane. slate. Blank slate. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. And Square uh, one. Square. That's the square I was looking for. <laughs> square. I don't know. Playing field. I don't know. It was all there. It was all there. Back to square one. And so I know so many are um, super excited. I think it's one sport, at least here in Mississippi, that's united us more than maybe any other because we've kind of had our or watched uh, different universities have their moment to shine in terms of national champions. Speaking of baseball, I actually saw a headline that made me think of you. Yes. In your prediction. Uh-huh. I saw it, too. Southern Miss Baseball, the Golden Eagles, have sold out their entire home schedule for the I'm 2023 so season. I'm so proud for the boys. That's awesome. Uh, go Eagles to the top. And I'm, I'm, look, no pressure. I will love you the same. If you win or lose or whatever it may be, I will always be a Golden Eagle. But um, I'm just gonna, I, I'm gonna need some kind of like acknowledgement if you, if you actually like when you have a parade. I need to be the Grand Marshal, like something. I don't know, whatever <laughs> that may be. I'm totally kidding. Um, you know, you just hope that all three teams have have good seasons, and obviously. Only one can be a winner, and there's so many different things that can happen between now. When is – see, I don't even remember. When's that, when is the national championship? How long do we have? Oh, it'll be a few months. Right. It'll be end of May, early June, somewhere around there. Oh, do you know how fast that's going to go, though? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, so there's so much you know water to still uh, cross under the bridge in terms of that. But I think it's cool and exciting. It's fresh, and it's something we all get excited about. The boys talk all the time about how Mississippi is unique and the fact of its love for baseball uh, different from other states. I know that trickles down just to the high school or the junior college, high school, even you know the peewee sort of uh, teams. See, that's one of those where you, I feel like you have more young boys particularly and girls with with softball who know what it's like to be in the moment in baseball versus like football right like i will never know what it's like to catch a snap or kick a field goal or be like sort of in that moment there's less peewee in that than there is with the other sports but even though it's not the same as baseball have been have been a softball player a really bad one but still suited up got out there like i know what it's like to get up to the plate and to be nervous about hitting a ball or or missing a fly or trying to think quickly and so even though i was never nowhere near the level of athleticism that the young men are that are playing for for our universities i still have like that I guess, place of, of um, experience to at least get kind of what it may feel like or be like to be out there. And so it makes watching the game to me a little bit different. Maybe it's just because also I know the words better because of, of other things. But I feel like that for young boys, too. Like when you are 
you know, 10 years old and you play shortstop or 10 years old and you're learning to pitch for the first time or whatever or, or a young man or young boy, I mean, you see those opportunities a little bit uh, a little bit different. I think that's why we connect to baseball a little bit better than, than football for some of us. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I made it all up. I don't know, but it sounds well, good. Well, baseball and softball are some of the few team sports where you do have the individual versus an entire team. I mean, soccer, you have 11 on 11. Football, you've got 11 on 11. Basketball, you got 5 on 5. Baseball, it's 1 versus 9. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. Right? Like, you got one person who is now putting into motion the At rest. At most, you have 4 versus 9. Yes. So you're still outnumbered. Yeah, correct. Well, It's also uh, the only sport where the defense hangs on to the ball. Look. These are conversations for sports. My mind, is, <laughs> my mind is starting to like hurt. So, who do they play tonight? I know they're talking about it. Uh, opening next. day is actually on Friday. Oh, so they're just they're there, there today, today celebrating because it. they want to be able to talk to players and coaches and stuff like that. You and know, I really thought, man, they're doing good. They're getting these people on game day. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, sometimes my elevator don't make it all the way to the top. But uh, so, who are they playing tomorrow? Mm, I want to say Ole Miss is playing Delaware, if memory serves me correctly. Interesting. They probably prefer our weather at this time of year. Although it'll probably feel like home for them for the oh, weekend. Oh, yeah, because it's going to be cold. Oh, yeah. Well, Bob's going to fall out of it. Well, stick with us because you got more coming up next. Remember, the boys are on location there at uh, Swayze Field from 3 to 6. But Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Talk Mississippi Media Production.